Welcome to the Refuge Church Podcast, where we long to see the lost saved, the saved transformed, and the transformed sent. For more information on Refuge Church, or to learn how you can give to this ministry, visit refugejacks.church. So let me do this real quick. Um, if, if you've wondered at this point why we don't ask or we don't pass uh, the offering plate here, um, not that there's anything wrong with that per se, um, but, but we believe that giving to the church, to the kingdom, is the responsibility of those who call the church uh, their homes and their members. Um, and so, man, for those who call their church, this church their home, those are the ones who should be giving, but we don't ever want to run someone off because they think they have to put money in a plate to be here kind of a thing. So that'll be consistent. We have joy boxes. You can do it online. So if this is your church, that's the way to do it. I get a few questions and I, and I wanted to be kind of clear on that. So here's what I want to do. Um, we're we're going to, um, here, here's the point. You can go and write this down and we, we can pray and be done, but I'm not going to do that. So on this uh, sheet, on this document, if you're taking notes, on this bullet point, um, here's what you want to write down. I can't do it alone, okay? I can't, I cannot do it alone. If you're taking notes, that's like the point, okay, of today, uh, but it's obviously much bigger, much deeper than that. We're going to talk today about authentic community. What does it look like for a church, and specifically for Refuge Church to be a church that has within it authentic community? Um, Authentic community is different than I know my neighbor's name. Is that fair? Would we all agree with that? Yes, um, we know our neighbor's name. Authentic community is I know the good things and the bad things about you still choose to love you. Um, So here's the deal. Refuge Church exists to save the lost, transform the saved, and to sin. This This is our mission as a church, and that mission does not happen without community, and specifically without authentic community. Authentic community where we love each other. Authentic community where we need each other. Authentic community where we bear each other's burdens. Authentic community where we rely on one another. Authentic community where we trust one another. Listen, we desire that Refuge Church be an authentic community of believers. And let me, here's what that means and here's what it doesn't mean. What it does mean is we know and love each other despite our faults. Here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean we're not gonna mess up. Because here's the, here's the fact. I've heard it put this way and it's so true. If you stick around long enough, somebody, myself or someone else, is going to hurt your feelings. Is going to do something you don't like. Is going to offend you. And let me be clear. Let me just say now, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna mean to. But part of sinners coming together to try to glorify God is we tend to bring our sin with us. So at some point, we're going to hurt some feelings. Please know it's not intentional, but it's sinners who are not righteous trying to worship God together. And if you stick around long enough, man, you will see that. But we desire to build a community that says, man, even though I've offended you or you've offended me, and again, that's not ever the goal, even though those things will happen and we sin against one another, we still love one another. We still care about one another. We still rely on one another. We even look for the best in one another. Most kings build moats around their castles to keep enemies out. 
But the king of kings built a bridge to his castle on the back of his own son in order to let his enemies in. Who does that? Only the one true God, Jesus Christ. Jesus left his castle, showing up in enemy territory, and built a bridge by his own blood in order to bring us home on his back. And even when we've disdained Jesus and his bridge, he graciously gave us saving faith in the gospel and carried us to God the Father. Jesus saved us to be with him and to be part of his family. This is the goal of today, to see that we are part of a much bigger family than even here. As I was doing research and looking up community and whatnot, this is some things I came across. More than three in five Americans claim to be lonely, with more and more people reportedly feeling like they are left out, feeling like they are poorly understood, feeling like they lack companionship. According to a new survey released this past week, workplace culture and these conditions, as well as the pandemic in 2020, and church contribute to Americans' loneliness. And loneliness may be on the rise. And when you think about a pandemic and you think about an election that has created so much division, that we may find today the most, we might find us today in the most lonely place our culture has ever been. Think about it. Has anyone, just show of hands, don't point, anyone ever felt left out? Like, you remember, I was left out of this. Three people. Okay, thank you. Yeah. This is, we experience this. I mean, one of the things the enemy comes against us with is loneliness. And think of the contributing factors to our loneliness as well. Binging Netflix. Like, watching eight episodes of your favorite show might be okay, but think about who's not a part of that. Think about social media. When was the last time you saw a picture and saw seven people you knew and went, well, I didn't know they were doing that. We just said this left out. What's that FOMO, fear of missing out? Even the, the toughest of tough guys feel that even if they won't acknowledge it. I read this week that most men, men specifically, form their deepest friendships during college years, then spend the rest of their lives moving away from them. How sad is that statement? How about our phones? We, we, I, like, I'm guilty, so I'll just say me. I mean, how often are we caught doing this? And I have a lot of kids at home, so I feel like often I'm caught doing this, and, and then one of them taps me on my knee, and then I realize they've been tapping for a minute, and I go, oh my gosh. I'm contributing to my own loneliness, and maybe theirs. And then the individualism that is America. Here's the thing. You can even have people in your lives and even be overwhelmed with the amount of people in your lives and still be alone, still be lonely. Mark Twain, who you probably shouldn't always quote in church, said this. It is a splendid desert, a doomed and steepled solitude where the stranger is lonely in the midst of a million of his own race. I heard a, I heard a term this week, and it's actually a book. You're welcome to look it up. It's not a Christian book, I don't think, but it's called Refrigerator Rights. And the premise of the book is this. Who in your life has refrigerator rights? Who can walk into your home, open your fridge, pull out whatever they want, and you don't bat an eye? For some of you, if I walked in your home today and opened your fridge, you might go, well, that's the pastor, but you still might go, what is he doing, right? Like, who has refrigerator rights? Hearing this term made me think of a friend named Michael. Michael was a student in student ministry when I first met him. Then he was a college student in my college ministry, and he has now become a father and a, and a, and a husband, but, but he's become a friend to me beyond a student. 
And he was one of the first people I knew as a college kid, the first time he came to my house, he walked in my kitchen, made himself a sandwich, and then plopped down on the couch like he lived there. And I looked at him and said, what are you doing? He's like, I was hungry. <laughs> About a week later, he did the same thing. The second time, I didn't even notice. He called me a week ago or so and said, hey, I just wanted you to know because you're a part of my life, and he lives about three hours away that, hey, we're expecting our third baby, and I wanted you to be one of the first ones to know. When we stay connected, if he showed up to my house today, I'm sure he would open my fridge and not only feed himself, but his entire family. Listen, who has refrigerator rights in your life? Let me ask a, a Christian, let's make that gospel if we can. Men, who do you need to allow and bring into your home to give refrigerator rights at your house? Who needs it? Who could you invite in to play a part in that? So I told you this earlier, you have one point today, and that point is you can't do it alone. God has wired you and I to do life with others. When you were saved, you and I, if you're a Christian, became a part of the family of God. One of the reasons we have this time after and ask you to stick around is so you can develop and build that community. Listen, 2020 has been hard because it's pulled us away from people. Just like anybody miss hugging people? Anybody? Like I'm a hugger. If that's weird, I'm sorry. I just, I like, I miss that, right? Like these are things we miss and we miss these things and we need these things. Ephesians 2, man, man talks about being one in Christ. Listen, because of what Jesus did, we are together in Christ. Because of what Jesus did, we are together with Christ. Because of what Jesus did, we are together for the kingdom. And because of what Jesus did, we are together to do good works. I don't know about you, but man, the first time I came back to a physical church was here at Refuge, kind of after the pandemic. And I had to stop singing because I was like losing it. Being in a building with other people who love Jesus, singing out to the Lord was hard because we had not done it. To attempt to live the Christian life alone is self-centered and sinful. When you say, I'm going to do this alone, it's self-centered. It's saying, I can do this on my own. Not only are you saying, I don't need other people, but you're saying, I don't care if they need me. That kind of hurt for me to write, because I wondered how many times I've pushed people away for my own comfort. And it's sinful. We're called to live life together. All right, so verse 11, Ephesians chapter 2. It says, therefore remember that, and I have in my Bible underlined the next three words, at one time, you Gentiles... Gentiles are those who, who had no part in God, who were told from their birth, God does not like you. Called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in flesh by hands. He's saying at one time you were not a Christian. You were without Christ and you were without community. At one time, not only were you hopeless for eternity, but you were hopeless even here on earth. You were disconnected from God. You had no relationship with God and your relationship with others probably struggled as well. Think about those who are not Christians, who have no hope. A neighbor who God is telling you to invite. Think about these people. This was you. At one time, he's saying you were cut off from God. We once were, we've got to remember that we were once there. The only difference is that God was gracious to us. One of the challenges, I think, of building authentic community is we often approach other people in community with a self-righteous attitude, and I don't think we realize we do it. Well, they do that sin, and I don't. Well, they kind of say that word, and I don't. They eat or drink that, and I don't. Listen, God being gracious to us is the reminder that we are not better. We are not cleaner. We are not morally better. We are not better at life. We are not smarter. We are not more godly. We are not less sinful. 
We don't do something they didn't. We are not superior. He's saying at one time you were a Gentile. You had no part in this. I mean, we've got to start there. Verse 12, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ. Look at the next word, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. Verse 12 says, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, that I was alienated and a stranger. I have those words underlined in my Bible, that I am no more godly than anyone else. I am no more spiritual than anyone else, and I'm no more holy than anyone else. The greatest turnoff to Christianity, as you've heard, I'm sure, is other Christians. Gandhi says, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. They are so unlike your Christ. If you want to build authentic community, two things have to take place. Number one, you've got to be honest. Number two, you've got to be vulnerable. You've got to be willing to sit down and say, here is where I'm struggling. James 5, 16, confess your sins one to another and he is faithful and just forgive. There's this promise that if I am open and willing about what I'm wrestling with, it's a good thing. It says you are separated, you are no longer. We were aliens and strangers. We say it this way, the enemy wins when I am lonely, separated, an alien, and a stranger. The enemy wins. Listen, I said this a minute ago, at some point you're going to get hurt in the church And you're gonna have an option. And your option is to run to another church or to reconcile. And the Bible says that we are to be called ministers of reconciliation. Man, I I pray that you see that and that it matters. Verse 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near. And again, underlined in mind, by the blood of Christ. Man, man, I love when you see this, this word B-U-T in the Bible, but in the Bible, because it's always going, this happened, but God did something. And here we see it again. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near. Let us remember what brought us near. You and I were brought near by the blood of Jesus. You didn't, you can't, and you couldn't bring yourself near to Jesus. The blood of Jesus brought you near. When Christ brings you near, there is no getting away. And if we're gonna be in community that we believe, man, I can walk into community, I can walk in with others and I can say, man, I've been brought near by the blood of Christ. I've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. I can't lose this by the blood of Christ. We can't get away. When, um, man, several years ago now, probably 10 years ago or so, uh, maybe, maybe right under that, nine years ago or so, um, I took Ezra fishing and there were some ducks in the pond and Ezra somehow hooked a duck um, and and, and we, we, we worked with all our might to get this duck off. And if you've ever hooked a duck fishing, the duck didn't respond well. The duck was not happy about being hooked in the, in the, in the mouth, I guess, with a hook. Uh, it was very angry. Not only was it angry, it was trying to come at us. Well, we had the fishing pole, so we couldn't get away from it. And I can just remember Ezra being about two years old and him just going, what do I do? I can't. And he's jerking the pole and yanking it, and he's trying to run, but he's still got the pole. And he, and he could not get away from the duck. And finally, I think we threw the pole down, jumped in the car, and just waited for it to take place. And sadly, I think the duck jumped back in the pond with the fishing pole attached. And I'm not sure what happened. I'm not saying we handled that right, and hopefully the duck is okay. You can pray for the duck. His name was Duck. But most importantly, I just remember the duck could not get away. We could not get away from it. And it's the same idea. When we see we're brought near by the blood of Jesus, then we should also see that we can't get away from that. And that's so important with walking in community because that gives me the permission to be myself. 
Because if I walk into a relationship and if I walk into friendship trying to be someone I'm not, I'm never gonna have authentic community. But if I walk into a relationship going, I'm not here because I'm a good person, I'm not here because I'm sinless, but I've been brought here and near by the blood of Jesus, then it allows me to be vulnerable and honest with others. Verse 14 says, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. He is our peace. That that idea of abolishing hostility, it's this idea of repairing hostile ground. Do you know what that means? I mean, there's no relationship on earth that God can't redeem. Anybody need to hear that this morning? There's not a relationship on this earth that God cannot redeem. That's hard sometimes, but it's so true. He, he himself has made us both one and broken down in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. Because here's the deal. If there's a relationship he can't redeem, then your salvation also is in jeopardy. But we know our salvation's not in jeopardy. Therefore, we know there's not a relationship on this planet he cannot redeem. And everybody has had one of those relationships at one point in time. And keep praying, keep pursuing. Here's what this idea is. That which doesn't go together now goes together. That's the idea of authentic, authentic community. That which really doesn't go together now goes together. Jesus' blood tears down this wall. Authentic community allows disagreement, but still peace. Hurt, but forgiveness. Drama, but love. Tears that lead to joy. Honesty that leads to authenticity. Authentic community brings peace where there should be no peace. Hear what I said, because I said that the right way. Authentic community brings peace where in our flesh we think there shouldn't be peace there. But God supernaturally brings peace. Man, I, uh, let's, let's keep going. Verse 15. So it, he, the next couple of verses are this long continuation. So verse 14, he is our peace who has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Verse 15, by, apo- by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace. Making one man in the place of two, so making peace. This is the church. Taking one man and make, taking two people and bringing him in one person. We together become one. A people made up of different backgrounds, Races, skins, colors, ages, socioeconomic backgrounds, long faith. We've had a long time in faith. We've had a short time in faith. We have a weak faith. Some have a strong faith. Some have a questioning faith. Some don't have faith yet. Some are hurting. Some are happy. Some are blessed. Some are alone. Some are talented. Some are weak. Some are suffering. Some are blooming. Some are rich. Some are poor. This is the church coming together. That which doesn't really go together, God brings together. And in doing so, we glorify God. Verse 16 a continuation, and might, so make peace and might, reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby, there it is again, killing hostility. Making us one body through the cross, killing hostility. We are now one body, back to point one. You can't do it alone. We can say it this way, you're not supposed to do it alone. Well, I've been hurt Yeah, I would argue so was Jesus, and so have we all been. You can't do it alone. Well, you don't know what I'm walking in. You don't know. If I shared with these people what I'm struggling with, they would probably go, oh, man, me too. That's usually my experience. You don't know where I've been, what I've done. 
I don't, you're right. But I know you've been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Authentic community, it only happens through the cross. It only happens under the cross. And it only happens when I'm submitted to the cross. When I'm not submitted to Christ, I struggle with authenticity and, and being in community in that way. When I'm not submitted with Christ, when I'm not walking with God, I struggle with community. Those two things go hand in hand. Verse 17, it says, And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. He did and continues to preach to those who are far off and near, bringing people into the fold. Man, allowing others to experience authentic community with you. We must keep looking for those who God is working on. We must keep looking for those that God is at work with, and we must work together. Like we've said a lot that our mission is this area, and that's a great mission. And our mission is some of the businesses around us, and that is a true thing. Here's the thing. If one of you walks in those businesses and makes an impact, that's fine. If we all do, they're going to be overwhelmed and go, what is happening? I need to know. Verse 18. For through him, we have both access to one spirit and one father. You kind of get two things. You get a glimpse of heaven, but you also get we come to God together. So that person you need to reconcile with, they go to the same God as you do for prayer, for needs, for worship. On behalf of one another, here's a question for you and for me. Are you praying and hoping your people, are you praying and hoping your people will experience the Lord this week or just you? Man, is, is, are there some names that people you just kind of like walk with, do life with, minister to, encourage, whatever, and you're going, man, I hope they experience God this week. I hope they have peace this week. I hope they have joy this week. I, I think our tendency, especially in a, a solo culture, is to pray for, God, I pray that I experience those things. But what about praying for others in these? Verse 19. So you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. We're no longer strangers. We're no longer aliens. But now together we're members of God's household. Household, excuse me. Look, I mean, together, over and over, together, together, together. We are family. Here, these are been, I, let me share with you just kind of four practical things that either build or keep from building authentic community. Number one is accountability. Man, there should be somebody that can look in your life and go, you shouldn't do that. And if you don't have that, guess what? You will do that. Do, you have, do, do people have permission? Can they get in your phone? Can they check your web browsing history? The second thing is Vulnerability. And being willing to just put yourself out there. When we're not, we're not honest. But when we are, we go, here's who I am. And I know the challenge there is if I put it out there, are they still going to love me? Listen, they didn't bring you near. Who brought you near? The blood of Christ. The third thing is honesty. Honesty. And someone who will be honest with you, I can tell that you're having a hard time. We use this phrase in our home. Speak your truth. And it's giving them permission to say something that may be hurtful, but we're ready to receive it because it's right. And the fourth thing, and here's the, we, we are so scared of this word and we really shouldn't be because it's not a sinful thing. I mean, confrontation should be part of authentic community. But I think we can agree there, there, there are different forms of confrontation. If, if I, as a large man, come at you, over you, and yell at you about parking in my parking space, let's say, you're not going to receive that well. 
But if I come to you and say, hey, I, I, I parked there because God has told me to park there, which is not true, to be clear, and I address you in a kind and loving and gracious way, you're gonna receive it differently. I read this this week, and it, man, it grabbed me because I think this needs to be in the church. Ready? There are few things I respect more than direct, face-to-face, gentle disagreement. Disagreeing is not a, we, we shouldn't all agree. If we all agree, we're, we're not gonna go where God wants us to go. We're not gonna be able to do the things God wants us to, to do. Disagreeing is not a bad thing. I mean, there's a way to do it this right. Confrontation, there's a way to do it this right. I need people to confront me at times. I think it's my wife's spiritual gift. Should I have said that? She's not here. We're good. But, but this is the point. Like even in marriage, confrontation happens, yet so often we're scared to take it out of those lanes as if something bad's gonna happen. Verse 20 says, says so, so again, a continuation of 19. We're fellow citizens built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets that Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Like, do you get that what this says, amongst so many other things, is that Christ Jesus is also the corner, cornerstone of our authentic community. And if we believe that, we will experience it, and if we don't, we will not. Our foundation and cornerstone is Christ. The foundation of our community, and listen, the foundation of our unity is Jesus himself. You being agreeable and non-confrontational is not gonna keep us unified. It is Jesus alone that keeps us unified. And if we don't believe that, then we miss it. Verse 21, in whom the whole structure, the whole thing, being joined together, grows up in a holy temple of the Lord. Verse 21, this, this being an authentic community stuff, this is a phrase that we, I would use, is, is a work in progress and will be until heaven. Because you're a work in progress, listen, our community will always be a work in progress. I think what's going on outside on our campus, the work we've had to do is a great picture of it. It is a continual work in progress. We're not there yet. Therefore, our community, that means there's gonna be time I've gotta go to, sometimes I've gotta go to someone and go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? How can I make this right? Becoming a holy temple. People used to have to go to a temple to pray, to worship, to meet with God. Now, Christians are the temple of God corporately. So as a community, we are the temple. We don't need this building to be the temple of God. We are that. Are we functioning this way? Hey, Christian, you have the calling to invite others into community. Are you? Verse 22, let me conclude. In him, you are also being built up together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. A place where the presence of God shows up. Man, if you allow God to show up in your community, he will show up even more so in your life. If there is no, here, here's another way to say this. If there is no community, there will be no presence of God. If there is a lack of gospel community, an authentic community, you will quench the spirit. But where there is community, man, it seems the presence of God is always there. You can't do this alone. The first church I ever worked at as a youth pastor, um, in the first couple of weeks, um, I decided that um, to, to make a change in a very old church. Um, and the thing I decided to change without going into detail was something a great-grandmother had built and given to that church by her own hands. Well, I moved that thing outside 
where it got wet and destroyed. Let me be clear, that wasn't a good decision, okay? That was a horrible decision. I was 21 and I was really dumb. Now I'm just 20, 40 and kind of dumb, okay? That's kind of where I am now. And so, so the, the, great grand, the great granddaughter comes to me and goes, hey, we need to meet and talk about this thing you destroyed. And I said, okay. And so we had this meeting. And in my, my eyes, what I did was a good thing so that we could grow. In her eyes, what I did was completely desecrate her family and everything that, that her family had ever done for that church. Let me be clear, I did not mean to. Well, in this meeting, um, let's just say the meeting didn't go well. Um, as her voice got a little louder, so did mine. Um, and, and we ended as she walked out and slammed the door, and I think I yelled something like, you need to pray more, you know, something really godly. Um, and, and I didn't talk to her again for months, and I would see her at church, and she would avoid me, and and I would avoid her. And, um, and, and man, a couple of years later, I, I was no longer at that church. And um, I was in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru where God always works. And um, I looked in my rearview mirror and she was directly behind me. And, and I don't, just, can we be clear? Like I saw her and I had not a positive thought. I thought, like I did that. And, and I just felt the Holy Spirit convict me. Just like, why did you react that way when you saw her? And I just feel like I'm in the car and the Lord's just starting to like preach a sermon to my heart. Like, why did you feel, why, why do you feel like you're any different? And you're a sinner, she's a sinner, you both need me. Like, I just was overwhelmed with what took place. So I pulled to the drive-thru. I was like, hey, can I, pray, can I pay for the ladies behind me? And she said, yeah, and, and, and I paid for it, probably wasn't a big deal. And I drove off and honestly, I forgot about it. I prayed for her and felt like it was over. Like, okay, this, this tension in my heart I feel towards her is over. Well, about a month later, I got a letter in the mail um, from her. And she told me, this was nuts. She told me that since that incident and that meeting, she had not opened her Bible. She had not prayed. She had not sought the Lord because she was so hurt over what took place. She took my words and my actions, not as me kind of attacking her, but as the Lord opposing her. And for years, she just, several years, she just sat back and thought that she had sinned against God in some way. And that day that I paid for Chick-fil-A, it began to restore something. So she wrote me this letter, and, and, it was, and I'm, I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm the worst human on earth. I started feeling too sorry. So I did what, what we all do, nothing. <laughs> I should have called, I should have done something, right? I, and, and, you know. Well, another month goes by, and I saw her husband out. Uh, he was a fireman. I saw his big truck pull up, and, and I saw him, and I was like, he's going to kill me here. It's finally happening, right? And so, um, so I saw him, and he walked up, and he said, hey, that day that you paid for Chick-fil-A for my wife, it changed our life, changed our home. And, he starts, and I'm going, what is happening? So finally, I, I reached out and called her. And what I didn't realize was the amount of weight that it carried that, that I had hurt someone, and I didn't even realize I'd hurt them. But because I wanted to be right and wanted to win, and my pride took over, I was unwilling to step in and continue to build God's temple, God's community. And even beyond that, the impact it had on her and her family. I remember she was really gracious on the phone. I got the phone going, what in the world? And can I just say, man, we don't realize the impact that our friendships and our relationships and our authenticity and our community have. And we also don't realize the impact an extra step has. A note to someone reaching out and saying, I messed up. And we don't realize how the Lord wants to use that. And we also don't realize so often how the enemy uses those, those dysfunctions in community to pull people literally away from the Lord. So, so let me remind you this morning is you, you can't do this alone. Authentic community is Christian community 
together under the gospel. And I will conclude by saying this. I am a mess, but I need others. And others are a mess, and they need me. Let's pray. God, we love you. And uh, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the children's voices during this service. It's so encouraging, God, to hear them with us. God, as you're building your church, pray you would draw them to you and encourage them. I thank you for this community, God, as we come together. And I pray that we would be willing, because we have been brought near by the blood of Christ, to be vulnerable, to be honest, to, to risk being hurt, to step out, to offer forgiveness, to ask for forgiveness, that we would do the right thing in order to build authentic community. God, would you stir us towards you right now? God, we need you and we love you.